From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. David Marsland. It's one of the most important roles in the Commons, but what makes a great speaker? You should have a speaker that's not frightened to stand up to um, the Prime Minister, as John Burkle has proved himself to be with David Cameron, with um, Theresa May and with Boris Johnson. As a new one is installed to replace John Burkle, we speak to Ayesha Hazarika about the role they could play in one of the most turbulent times in UK politics. Also... <laughs> Mikhail Gorbachev's warning to the world. The former Soviet Union premier believes tensions between Russia and the West put us in colossal danger. And... Yeah, um, women are really dominating the shortlist this year and I think there would have been a time when that would have been unusual but I think now, you know, we, we don't really think about whether they're man or woman. The plays that are on there aren't really to do with being a woman or gender. We talk to our digital arts editor, Jessie Thompson, as the Evening Standard Theatre Awards shortlist is announced with women dominating in major categories. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, Aisha Hazarika has some words of advice for the new speaker. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. There's no need for the honourable member for Dewsbury to chunter ahoy there from a sedentary position. This kiss a ginger activity is probably perfectly lawful, but I've got no plans to partake of it myself. We'll leave it there for now, and I hope there are no further points of order. There's an Arsenal match on television very soon. John Burko clearly loved being the Speaker of the House. Whether the MPs loved him back is a matter of debate. But then debate and keeping order of it is what the job's all about. It's not for everyone, as our editorial column explains. It doesn't usually matter who is Speaker of the House of Commons. MPs care how their debates are chaired, who gets called to speak, and how the Palace of Westminster is run. The rest of us, frankly, have other things to be worrying about. John Burko is different from his predecessors. He has been powerful, 
the most powerful speaker in almost four centuries. In part, that has been because he has been assertive of his rights, fond of the sound of his own voice and unafraid to irritate the last three occupants of number 10. These talents would, however, have made only a marginal difference were it not for this central fact. During his long speakership, no one party has had a commanding majority. That may well remain the case after this general election, where we could get a Boris Johnson-led government with a small majority or a rainbow alliance under Jeremy Corbyn. In either case, who is speaker matters a lot. Our Londoner editor Aisha Hazarika is here. Aisha, we know they need to be ruthless. What other qualities should John Burke's successor have? You've got to have a speaker that's tough enough to stand up to number 10 and to stand up to um, government ministers because it's the government who put the business forward. It's the government who promulgate the laws and, and what they want. Occasionally, backbenchers can get in via a private member's bill or there might be a piece of legislation that they campaign for that then is adopted by the government. So the government is very, very powerful in Parliament, but that also means that you should have a speaker that's not frightened to stand up to um, the Prime Minister, as John Burko has proved himself to be with David Cameron, with um, Theresa May and with Boris Johnson. I wonder what kind of pressure the government can exert on the Speaker because they certainly pushed for a lot of change with John Burko, didn't they, which he had to resist. How did they do that? I mean, how hard must that have been? Well, I think they mainly did it by slagging him off. and briefing madly against him that he was this awful human being. And I think, um, I don't know how hard he found it. I mean, he told us in, in the first interview he gave after announcing that he was standing down, he said that he didn't lose sleep over the fact that he ruffled feathers and that he had annoyed people. That was him doing his job. But when it sometimes got to him was when it affected his family and he told us this story about how I think they were he was on the tube with one of his children and they saw a front page and um, maybe even in, in our paper you know of people really having a go at him and be him being really under fire and that's that's when he said it would kind of slightly you know get him but he is quite a robust character and let's be honest he's not a man who is adverse to a bit of limelight and um publicity but I do think it's going to be fascinating to see who the MPs choose to replace him. A lot of the MPs, this may be the last thing they ever do as MPs because so many of them are standing down. So this is literally their last 48 hours in Parliament, their last couple of days. So you have a whole load of outgoing MPs who are selecting a speaker who will preside over many new MPs as well. And this was, of course, something that, that some have said John Barker had planned when he was stepping down, was to organise it so that it would be this parliament that votes on him, isn't it? Was that deliberate? I, I'm i not sure. I mean, there's, there's probably an element of that. There's also an element of practicality. I think he decided that once that 31st of October deadline had passed, that was the right time for him to step down. Parliament is still in session, so it, it does feel right. This feels the right... And this is not the first time a speaker has been chosen towards the end of a parliament either. Um, but also, you know, I think for me, one of the things that's striking, and we've we've talked about this um, a wee bit, is that there's a lot of women standing down from politics because they feel that the nature of, of 
politics has got too toxic, it's too aggressive. There's certainly an argument about, you know, how the chamber conducts itself. So at a time when w the number of women are stepping down, um, I actually think it would be quite good to have a woman in the chair as speaker. There's a number of good candidates, Harriet Harman, Eleanor Lang, Rosie Winterton, um, Meg Hillier. And I actually think it is time. We've had 156 male speakers in, in British political history. We've only had one female, the brilliant Betty Boothroyd. We've got a male leader of the opposition. We've got a male prime minister. We've got quite macho politics at the moment. Um, and I think it would send a great signal that we would have a woman in the chair. Next. Your spokesman said that you are a man of surprises. Have you brought a surprise for President Reagan concerning the arms negotiations? Well, I don't think that policies are made with surprises. When Mikhail Gorbachev met Ronald Reagan in the White House way back in 1987, both the Soviet leader and the US president hoped for a new era of peace. Now Mr Gorbachev is warning that work is being undone. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. It's nearly 30 years since Mikhail Gorbachev won the Nobel Peace Prize for bringing the Cold War to a peaceful end, but perhaps the hostility was merely put on ice. Last year, the US pulled out of the nuclear missile pact the former Soviet leader signed with Ronald Reagan, which banned certain ground-launched weapons in Europe. Russia retaliated by doing the same. Now Mr Gorbachev is warning relations between Washington and Moscow are chilly but still at war. And he says the outcome could be catastrophic. Here's why the standard thinks we should pay attention. The titans of the Cold War have mostly fallen. Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan are gone. But the man who brought that war to an end peacefully, tolerantly and honourably is still alive. And today, Mikhail Gorbachev, now 88, reflects on the fall of the Berlin Wall 30 years ago this month. We should listen to his warning. The world, he says, is in colossal danger because of tension between Russia and the United States and the renewal of nuclear weapons. Arms reduction agreements that he helped to negotiate are failing. It took courage for leaders such as Mr Gorbachev to put a stop to the Cold War. He's right to confront us now with the truth. Now. The shortlist for the 65th Evening Standard Theatre Awards is out and there are going to be some battles ahead between big names and some you may be less familiar with. With me now is our digital arts editor, Jesse Thompson. Jesse, looking at all these categories, the first thing that jumps out is this has been another incredible year for theatre. It has. It's been brilliant. Um, it means uh, we don't get a lot of nights in 
but you can't <laughs> you can't really complain about it when there's this much good stuff on. Looking down at these categories, there are some really big names in here that people recognise, like Tom Hiddleston and Andrew Scott, who was the hot priest in, in, in Fleabag. Wendell Pierce arrived in London and really shook up the city, didn't he? He did. Um, I think we all knew him from The Wire and he played Meghan Markle's dad, obviously, in Suits. Um, But, yeah, he played Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman, which started at the Young Vic and now it's going into the West End. And I think basically anyone who saw that agreed that it was just the most incredible performance. You know, Arthur Miller's been done so many times. We've had so many Arthur Miller revivals even just this year, but he did something with that role that hadn't really been done before. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough category. And so is the... Obviously, the best actress category. Some incredible performances in this one. Dame Maggie Smith, for example, mm. did, has done some extraordinary things on stage this year. Dame Maggie Smith, unbelievably. Um, I, I know you probably shouldn't bring age into it, but she's 84 years old, and she did this play where she was on stage on her own for 100 minutes, basically talking nonstop. It was a real story about a woman who was Goebbels' secretary, and it was to do with, you know, how much did she really know about what was going on? And it was a really incredible performance. I think she may be one of those that's going to be the one to beat, but there'll be people like Hayley Atwell's on there, Juliet Stevenson, just an incredible list of names and really kind of making London theatre exciting at the moment. Yeah. Cecilia Noble, who's shortlisted for two roles, and Anjana Vassan at the Lyric Hammersmith for A Doll's House. They're both incredible actresses and A Doll's House, it was the same year as Ibsen originally wrote it but was moved to Calcutta and it just brought brought this whole element of um, imperialism into a story which is traditionally always thought of as being a feminist play. Faith, Hope and Charity, which is a brilliant um, play about our political life within the fringes of communities and Downstate, which is on the best play shortlist. And there's also two people on the best actor shortlist. So Downstate has got a lot of places on the shortlist. I was just going to come to best play. Downstate, you've mentioned there. Mm. Ear for Eye, Glass Kill, Bluebird Imp and Sweat. Some really challenging plays there, aren't there? Yeah. I think it's brilliant to see um, Debbie Tucker Green and Carol Churchill both on the shortlist for the Royal plays at the Royal Court. Um, Carol Churchill especially, though, so those were four short plays and the, they were just like these really vivid bursts of imagination. There was one where um, there was just a man um, sitting on a cloud and he was a god and he was just smoking a cigarette and it was funny and there was so much going on. And then um, you'd have... Um, Four people at a dinner party talking about they're upset that their friend Bluebeard has turned out to be a misogynist serial killer and they're all trying to come to terms with it. So um, it was probably the best best play I've ever seen, which kind of engages with the whole Me Too Weinstein landscape. Yeah. Yeah, which, of course, throughout the creative industry has been a, a dominating theme yeah. over the last year or so. But really interesting, looking at the best play, but also the, the awards for playwrights, both established and upcoming. There's a huge dominance of women in those categories, isn't there? Yeah, um, women are really dominating the shortlist this year. And I think there would have been a time when that would have been unusual. But I think now, you know, we, we don't really think about whether they're man or woman. But the plays that are on there aren't really to do with being a woman or gender. No, I, I, it's really re- exciting. The reason is because they're just really good plays. They're just, <laughs> just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 
And that's the leader. Our audio news team sends a daily bulletin to smart speakers at 7am. Just ask for the news from the evening standard. The leader's back tomorrow at 4pm.